Hello, and we are back today with another list-building exercise, and today we are focusing on Tywin Lannister, the Lord of Casterly Rock. Today's list is going to have a strong focus on Sundering and control via the weakened tokens that Tywin is going to be giving out. So, uh, we look at Tywin's commander card. It has two distinct features to it. One is going to be intimidating when his unit activates, one enemy within long range becomes weakened, and then he's going to impart Lannister's supremacy uh, onto whatever unit that he is in, which, for those not aware, Lannister's supremacy is when the unit is attacked and passes its panic test. The attacker must make a panic test with minus two to their roll. A uh, staple in the Lannister guards, the only way they deal damage, and um, currently, I suppose, the most prominent uh, Lannister build, just because of units available. Uh, today, though, we are actually running zero guards in this list, and... Well, there's some reasons that we'll get to when we get to the general tactics. But let's go over the full list right here. First off, we have a unit of Lannister Halberdiers with Tywin Lannister, the Lord of Castle Rock. And then another unit of Lannister Halberdiers with Tyrion Lannister, the Giant of Lannister. Finally, we have a third unit of Lannister Halberdiers that are just vanilla. Our other two units that we have in the army are a unit of Lannister Crosswomen and Gregor Clegane, the Mountain That Rides. We have two non-combat units in this list. That's Pycelle, the Grand Maester, and Lord Varys, the Spider. Also included in this list is Jamie Lannister, the Maimed Hostage. As I said at the beginning, this list has a strong element of control via just causing general bad things to the opponent, but also via the use of weakened tokens. When you're playing uh, Tywin Lannister, the Lord of Castle Rock, all of his tactics cards are going to function off those weakened tokens, so really, in this specific list, Pycelle is probably going to be the first three points that you include. Looking at other non-combat options, I know that Cersei is a popular one, but frankly, we're not really targeting the opponent's morale too much of this list, and while the Lannisters do that in general, I really wanted to go with more of a control aspect for this list, so that's why Lord Varys is taking up the other NCU spot. Jamie Lannister Maimed Hostage is included in this list because, as I said, we are running some elements of control, and what Jamie Lannister brings to the table, aside from the extra victory point, is that uh, he does... He doesn't really fix a lot of problems, but he creates minor annoyances for the opponent. So a vengeful captive at the end of each of the unit's activations that you stick him in, they're going to suffer D3 automatic hits. Uh, keeping note, those are hits, not wounds. I see a lot of people you know, uh, playing that wrong, where he's just causing auto damage, and holy crap, he would be overpowered if he did that. Uh, this is great to fix little kind of squishy targets that you know you don't really want to deal with, and you just kind of want to hold off the engagement, because it forces the opponent to have to do something with them, because as the game goes on, they're just going to keep suffering damage. This is really a good key target for things like Stark Longbowmen, um, Pyromancers, really any range unit that doesn't have a good defense save, or any kind of glass cannon unit, if you're playing against, uh, for example, some Bolton Cutthroats or Bastards Girls. It's a good guy to uh, stick him in, because he's just going to be causing some straight auto damage. And it's going to put some pressure on the opponent to have to do something with that unit, because eventually they're just going to whittle down to the point of not being effective. Also, keep in note that Valuable Captive is you know, quite good. You're getting an extra victory point for killing that unit. Um, if you place that in the commander unit, for example, in Clash of Kings, then you're going to get one point for killing the unit, two points for killing the commander, and a fourth point for killing Jamie Lannister. In a 40-point game here, 10 victory points, that's almost half your total points that you need just condensed down into one unit. But even then, killing a combat unit is going to grant you one victory point, and Jamie is going to get you a further one, so these do stack up, and it is an important thing to remember. Now, why are we spamming Halpadiers? Namely because in this entire list right here, every single aspect of it has Sundering, 
or in the case of Gregor Clay in the Mountain that Rides, straight up ignores defense saves, which is basically the same thing. So the whole point of this list is that we are going to pierce through any form of defense the opponent has when it comes to their actual defense. If you're playing against an army that has um, an incredibly high morale value, that could be a problem, but usually if they've got a really high morale, they're trading that in the defense uh, area, so that's going to hurt them all the more of the Sundering. The other aspect is that this army is all about a prolonged engagement. Because Tywin is throwing down weakened, the damage that's incoming to you should be rather minimalized. And given that, you're in for the long fight. Halberdiers are there to play the long game. They don't lose attack dice until they've been reduced down to one rank, and hopefully when you're throwing down a bunch of weakened, that will take them a while. So let's go down each of these units and show what their specific role is on the battlefield. So, as I said, we are running three units of halberdiers, but they all serve a different purpose. The unit with Tywin kind of needs to be the center focal point of your army. Um, being in the center, just so you can maximize his long range throwing down weakened, that's really the place that he wants to be. Because that means that each round you're going to have at least two sources of weakened that you're throwing out in the form of Cell and Tywin Lannister's unit itself activating. Um, because of this as well, you again are playing the long game, so you can force the opponent to come to you and really engage you on your terms, which is why I really like having Halberdiers here, because they're dual purpose unit. They can go and sit on objective and just hold it, and the opponent's going to have to come and dislodge them, which means they're going to get attacked and take additional damage. Or these guys can go on the offense because they still are throwing seven dice with Sundering, and because you've hopefully made the opponent weakened, then they are going to be you know less on the counterattack. In addition to that, Tywin's natural uh, tactics cards really are going to hurt the opponent for targeting you. I mean, you've got Exploit Weakness, which is anytime the opponent attacks you, if they roll a 1, they're going to suffer an automatic wound. If they're weakened, they're going to suffer two, plus 2 additional automatic wounds, so that's going to be at minimal 2, and then potentially more, depending on how many 1s they roll. You have my favorite card of his, Lannister Intimidation, which is going to strip a unit and their uh, attachments of any abilities for that round. So that's good on the offense and the defense, depending on what unit you're coming after. I mean, if you go, uh, if a unit of Umber Berserkers you know, comes after you, and all of a sudden, now they don't have Sundering. Yeah, it's still throwing a bunch of dice, but it's not going to be that bad. Umber Great Axes are going to get shut down with all their abilities, and now they're just throwing just straight up whatever their attack dice are. But this is also a good card on the offense for if you're fighting anything that has you know any nasty defensive capabilities. So let's say you're fighting a mirror match against Lannisters, and they've got a bunch of Lannister Guardsmen. Okay, well, their Guard Captain, which they're probably going to have that unit, is not going to get his uh, at-any-cost ability, and you don't have to worry about Lannister Supremacy. And when you strip those two things away from Guardsmen, yeah, they've got 3-plus defense, but 7-plus morale means they're going to start taking some casualties here. So, especially when you're sundering them from everything you have. So, you know, a lot of people play that card very defensively. It's really good on the offense as well. And his final tactics card you have is the Lion's Wrath, uh, which is another source of just giving an enemy weakened. But more than that, it's until the end of the round, all weakened enemies suffer minus 1 speed and trigger disorderly charge on a 2 or less. This is one of the key th reasons why I like running a bunch of halberdiers with him, is because triggering a disorderly charge one-third of the time means they're going to slam into your halberdiers, you're going to get your attack off on them, they're potentially not going to get their charge rerolls, and you're going to have them weakened. So that means you're just going to really be really mitigating the damage that's coming in. And now they're stuck in combat with a bunch of halberdiers. Okay, a little off topic there because I was trying to focus on Tywin's unit of halberdiers specifically, but that's just showing all the synergies that he has there. The second unit of halberdiers we have has Tyrion Lannister, the giant of Lannister, in with them. So he's in there for, one, his control aspect because he does bring counter strategy. 
um, which can cancel enemy orders and tactics cards. So we've got several options for doing that. But more so, he has adaptive planning, which is while uh, he is engaged with the unit, you can expend a condition token off that enemy as if it were any other token. So sometimes you're not going to need to make the enemy weaken. Sometimes you're going to need to make them panicked. Sometimes you're going to need to make them vulnerable. Stacking vulnerable with sundering you know, is really nasty for just really punching through even the heaviest uh, defense saves that you have out there. And if you're facing something that doesn't have a good morale value, you can turn that to a panic token. The versatility that it brings is just great. And the fact that this is a really heavy uh, condition token army is one of the reasons why I like including him. The third unit of Halberdiers is Vanilla, because we didn't have points for an attachment. If I was going to stick another attachment in them, if I was going to free a point somewhere, say you don't want to run Maim Jamie, so you've got two points uh, hanging around, you could stick in Jamie Lannister, the Young Lion, so that way you have a combat unit that is never going to be losing attack dice. At max ranks, they're rolling 9, and then 7, and then 7. So that kind of cre uh, creates your kind of... um you know, your 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 buster unit there. So you can just go and get them in combat with whatever the nastiest threat your opponent has and, you know, just tie them up there. That would probably be my, if I was going to switch out two things, what I would do. You know, and that's just depending on your playstyle or if you just don't have Jamie Lannister maimed hostage um, available to you. All right, the next unit we have is the unit of Lannister Crossbowmen. Because again, we're having a lot of units that are going to be in combat for a prolonged period of time. The crosswomen hopefully can just get into range and start pelting them with, again, more sundering. If you manage to get them in the flank, that's going to be sundering in a further minus one. And yeah, you're going to be causing some panic tests with your guys, but your morale on your halberdiers is a 7. That's the average roll in 2d6, so you really shouldn't be causing yourself that much damage. And even if you do, again, you're not losing attack dice until you really hit that last rank, so you can afford to take a few casualties along the way. The crossmen are just in general another annoying threat, and you know that's really what I stick there. The one thing about them though is they are a hard target, so you really want to keep them behind this giant wall of halberdiers that you have, so the the opponent can't really get to them, and you know just kind of shoot through the cracks of those units as you're sitting around, or use them to capture backfield objectives. Yeah, cavalry is going to be a problem for them, but you know that's why you're throwing out all this weekend. But frankly, to me, when my crossmen get in combat, if I don't have early access to a retreat action or something along those lines, I kind of count them off as dead. And if the opponent has devoted cavalry to going after them, that means they've invested more points than I have. So, you know, you've just got to really factor that up. Speaking of cavalry, though, we do have Gregor Clegane, the mountain that rides. He is going to be one of our kind of uh, punchers that we have in this list. But really, I usually tend to play him as more of a counter unit in this army. Um, because if you send him out there by himself, he is going to get focused down and he will get killed. I mean, yeah, a 2 plus defense and a 3 plus morale is fantastic, but you only have 4 wounds. So, you know, any dedicated large number of dice or anything with, say, Sundering or things like that are going to drop him. Uh, that's really the thing about him, is that he's a, he looks very intimidating on paper but if you know how to deal with him he does drop very fast i mean even just dedicated attacks will take him down that being said though if you properly utilize him he is a giant pain in the ass for the opponent uh, and if they just waste the tools at their disposal on other things instead of focusing on him he's another good guy to really um combine well with like lannister intimidation uh, because you're going to strip away a lot of the things that potentially could hurt him. Like, say, again, you're facing um, some Umber Great Axes, you can take away their Ignore Defense Saves effect of their attack. If you're facing against some Pyromancers, you can shut off their abilities, so they're just throwing a very weak version watered down of, uh, of Wildfire that's not ignoring Defense Saves. You know, things like that. But one of the trappings of this list is I see people really try to focus on keeping 
uh, the mountain alive too much. To me, it's a little four-point unit that can cause a lot of damage, but I'm not really going to go out of my way to try and save him. My other use for him is good for counter-charging other cavalry, because cavalry can give this unit, uh, sorry, this list a bit of a problem if you let them get in your flanks, which savvy cavalry players should be doing. And the mountain that rides can go and hunt those units down and try to tie them up while your halberdiers or your crosswomen get into some better positions. So again, he's versatile, but I don't want you to have an overly big focus on him. I don't, you know, really view him as anything other than a problem solver that if he solves the problem, that's great. Otherwise, he's just a big threat to the opponent. And frankly, my best case scenario of using him is that my opponent uh, throws a ton of resources into killing this four point unit while I'm going and getting objectives or actually setting up, you know, other plays. Going down to talk about the non-combat guys, I mean, this is kind of vanilla here. There's not really a lot of excitement. I'm running Pycelle because we want weakened tokens. That's what uh, Tywin wants. Pycelle gives them to us and is a cheap cost. So that's why he's in the list. Varus is there for a very obvious reason, because he is Varus. We are running a control list here via weakened tokens, and then Varus is helping us uh, control the tactics board via just what he does. Okay. So, you know, I wish I could talk about this more, but frankly, they're very kind of, you know, self-explanatory as to why they're there. All right, so that's going to go over some general tactics of this list. What are some of the weaknesses that it has? Well, as I mentioned before, uh, an all-cavalry list or something that's very fast can give this list some problems. If you are coming across a list like that, then the Lion's Wrath is going to help you by reducing enemy speed if they're weakened and then triggering some disorderly charges. But really, you need to play this list as kind of a um, just adaptive and kind of a bunker list. Um, get to the objectives, hold them with the halberdiers, protect your front lines, and you know make sure that the opponent has to come to you. If that doesn't work, let's say you're facing a speedy Stark list or you know one that's just a high mobility list, don't be afraid to get in there with your halberdiers. I mean, they've got average speed, and seven dice with sundering on the charge is still seven dice with sundering on the charge, okay? It's really nasty. And just remember, you have a ton of tools that even if you, for some reason, botch your roll or you know it just doesn't work out that well, you still have all these defensive capabilities built into Tywin's tactics cards and the Lannister tactics deck in general. So keep that in mind. I keep you know, praising this with halberdiers and really trying to get this fact into players' heads because I see the biggest single mistake I see when people are running bulk halberdiers is they just don't want to charge because they want to, like, they look at set for charge and they go like, yeah, I'm going to trap my opponent when they come after me, then I'll get a free attack on them. Sure, but you would have gotten attack anyway if you had just charged them and you've gotten rerolls as well. And again, you have seven dice of sundering. Get in a combat. You know, don't just sit around. All right, so that's the generals of this list here. It's a fun little list to run. It's um, a neat little play style. It is not an easy list to run, though, I will say, compared to some others. But if you just like having the tactical flexibility of being able to go offense, to go defense, and to have a bunch of threat mitigation, then this is a really well-rounded list that I do enjoy running. But it is going to take you some games to get used to and playing it. I mean, I expect the first time you play it, um, it might be a little difficult because you really have to know the intricacies and the ins and outs of proper planning with putting Jamie Lancer, the main hostage, in the right place, knowing when to use Lord Varus, knowing when to have guys weakened, and really knowing when to play your specific tactics cards for the maximum effect, and knowing when you can throw away units not. So if you play this list and you actually learn the ins and outs of it, it's a really rewarding list to play. So give it a try, let me know what you think, and let me know what you guys want to see next. All right, that's it now. Signing off. Take care.